are y'all? Welcome to another episode of the Good News Cast. Great to have you listening as always. Um, we are going to, Jeff and I are going to jump right in, but before we do, we'll give a preliminary, I will give a preliminary uh, cookie recommendation. This, Jeff, is, this is pretty impactful for you, wasn't it, Ben? Yes. Okay. Jeff knows this. This past weekend had milk bottle cookies in Waco. From what I understand, milk bottle cookies, I think it was actually started by a college student, apparently. I don't know. I don't care. I don't look into these things. But uh, you can order them online. I think they maybe deliver. Maybe they've gotten so big that they don't deliver anymore. I'm not sure. Uh, we got them at the farmer's market. I've been wanting to try them. They're huge. They so were, it was a truck? Um, it was just a table. Okay. Yeah. Um, a food table. And uh, they were five bucks. So refinanced the house. Got a couple cookies. Um, <laughs> five bucks, but totally worth it. Like... I totally worth it because the cookie is so big and so dense. It is the equivalent of three cookies. Uh, I had a chocolate chip. I had a snickerdoodle, which is, um, do you like snickerdoodle cookies? I love snickerdoodle. Unbelievable. Yeah. Um, uh, I had uh, a Biscoff, which I was explaining to you. Biscoff, a lot of our listeners maybe know. So you had three cookies. Dude, I got the chocolate chip. I got the, dude, again, I don't know. I mean, this is, I put it on the credit card set it and forget it uh, um pay off the debt later uh, yeah. uh chocolate chip uh biscoff snickerdoodle and they were i could not finish them which is like that's they're just they were big uh that was also we ate a lot this past weekend so anyways they were unbelievable one of the best cookies i've ever had in my life did you have milk or was it just yeah small? yeah yeah you yeah, did? yeah okay dense moist amazing so did they dethrone subway chocolate chip cookies 100 percent. wow okay like i'm and i'm saying 100 percent. you haven't asked me that i'm saying 100 percent without hesitation if you say you've never said that wow. before no on and on all the other cookies we've tasted you still have subway yeah if you one. say hey i'll give you a bunch of subway cookies or i'll give you a bunch of milk bottle cookies Ooh, wow this is tough i think i would right now say Maybe it's the novelty. Maybe it's new. I'll say milk bottle. They're just unbelievable. Okay. They were unbelievable. So the only way I could get one right now, though, is to either go to the farmer's market or yeah, online. Yeah, or order online. It looks like they're cheaper online. It looks like they're $3.50. Uh, I'm going to order us some. Oh. I'm going to order us some. Yeah. So we'll actually review it. Okay. Um, and, uh, and maybe we can sell something, like sell a guitar or something like that to purchase something. TJ won't mind. There, I'm joking about the price. There, it's a hundred percent worth it. Five dollars. Yeah. It's the equivalent of three cookies. That's two, at, at least two, if not three. They're just huge, thick, and dense. They are out of this world. Uh, they're opening up brick and mortar. So uh, the Snickerdoodle somewhere. one, did it have multiple layers of tape, or was it just a genuine Snickerdoodle cookie? Did it have a little twist, like it had a little extra caramel no twist. or some? Yeah, no, they're not a bunch of. Uh, crazy people, no gotcha. twist. They went straight huh? snickerdoodle, Just snickerdoodle, smack you in the face with it. Man, pure cinnamon, oh. combined with that uh, sugar cookie kind. Oh. Yeah, someone call it cinnamon sugar. <laughs> oh, uh, oh man, okay, I'm in. And I think I've talked about maybe before. Like I discovered cinnamon. Cinnamon is in every one of my favorite desserts, so I realized yeah. cinnamon's the key and the king. It is absolutely. It's the king. Texas chocolate sheet cake, cinnamon. Yep. Mexican hot chocolate ice cream from H-E-B Creamy Creatures, cinnamon. cinnamon. Yep. Snickerdoodle, cinnamon. You put Oatmeal, cinnamon in it. Cinnamon, dude, yeah. Uh, cinnamon Toast Crunch, cinnamon. <laughs> okay, you put cinnamon in it. 
and you're going places. Okay. Um, all right, I'm going to order us some. That way we'll actually do a review. What we're going to do right now is we've got two more episodes on this whole uh, how to pick a church. Today yep. we're going to talk about community and mission. Um, we're just kind of riffing on some of this. This is not, um, we, we just kind of sit down, brainstorm, hey, what would we look for? So we're going to kind of, uh, we're going to talk about a couple of points on community mission. Next week, we'll talk about how to leave a church. When is it legitimate to think about leaving a church? When, why should you leave? That's a, that's a really hard question to answer. Hmm. Before we get into community mission, let me just say, um, I'm talking from the viewpoint, I think you are, from the viewpoint of knowing that most people in America have 10, 20, 100 churches to choose from. Right. So obviously some of the things we're talking about in terms of evaluating, Mm -hmm. like if you live in a city with one solid church, like one church that has solid beliefs and every other church is wonky or weird beliefs or obviously heretical and just not a church, then, um, then some of these things are not deal breakers. And for many people in the world, that's all there is. Absolutely. Right. So America is a interesting, interesting cultural reality here. Yeah. Like the folks in Corinth and Ephesus and whatnot, it wasn't like they were church shopping. Right. It was like, we got one church, Yeah, you know, this one church, maybe uh, split up into all these different house churches. Right. I just want to acknowledge that, that we're, what we're trying to say is, hey, we know you might have 10 churches on the block. Um, and generally you're like, hey, solid beliefs, all this kind of stuff. Right. Um, but they look, maybe they look and feel vastly different. And so what should you look for? So we've hammered home gospel. It needs to be a solid church with solid beliefs and they need to be preaching the gospel day in and day out that they believe the gospel is not just for unbelievers, but for believers that they see Christ as, as the center of all of scripture. They're preaching through scripture and they're preaching Christ, uh, and the good news of the gospel to you and to your friends and to your family week in and week out. Um, we talked about worship uh, on the two weeks ago. Let's talk community and mission. Mm-hmm. I'll let you go. And what we'll do, I think, is we'll kind of talk about the positives and negatives, kind of the, the spectrum of when we talk about community or mission, the good and the bad, mm-hmm. uh, the good things to look for with community, weird or negative or red flags to yeah. look for. Yeah. So if we, I don't know, if we just kind of kick this thing off knowing that the gospel reason why we're emphasizing the gospel so much is it, it's what it's the engine it's everything it's that it's people standing side by side looking at the same thing and saying what you know you too uh, as c.s lewis says so the gospel is everything the gospel connects us to god uh, not only the unbeliever but the believer on an ongoing way uh, the gospel is what connects us to each other so that's what we're going to talk about here we're going to talk about relationships it connects us to one another and then the gospel connects us to mission in Waco it, it is the mission in Waco for us or for a church wherever it is so that's a given and that's why the gospel is so important so let's talk a little bit about that connecting to one another uh, there seems to be probably and and we can talk about the dynamics of each but there's this element in which the church uh, has that intention you know that it's part of its mission is to help uh, people connect with each other because of the gospel, by the engine of the gospel, right? And then there's this element uh, that involves the individual person or the family or the couple, um, that there's also some responsibility and some perspective and some action required on the individual. For instance, if we were just to kick this thing started, um, 
if we come in saying, ah, you could be we're at a church right now and saying, I just don't have any friends. I just don't have any friends. I need friends. I can't find friends. Nobody will be my friend. Um, that's one way to approach connecting with people is to constantly be thinking about your need for friendship, your need for someone to appreciate you, recognize you, take initiative with you. And it's about your needs, your desires. Uh, and uh, I've had conversations. I've, I have felt that. I think everybody has felt that. Um, and I've had conversations with several folks over the years about that. Um, and that's one way to approach it. The other way, though, is to actually think about what would a good friend look like and are you being a good friend? Mm -hmm. Are you actually being a friend or are you more interested in needing a friend? And I think what's so wild and powerful is that when you actually become a good friend and become less needy about needing a friend, you actually make friendships. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's a, that's a healthy thing for all of us that when we get stuck in that, gosh, nobody likes me, everybody hates me, I want to eat some worms, we, we have that sense of, I need friendship, I don't have friendship. Well, go be a good friend. Mm -hmm. go, go be a good friend, mm -hmm. and you will have friends. And, uh, and that's, that's a very healthy thing. So that's one thing. And then I think, um, well, I think, and then in terms of the church too, does the church as a whole uh, prioritize uh, connecting people to one another and creating avenues and space and easy on-ramps and off-ramps for that to happen. And, uh, and that's where we're here, and many churches obviously are trying to implement some form of small groups mm -hmm. to help friends happen. So the implication there is, is friendship, right? That, yeah. that what we're saying is what you're saying is that you want to look for a place that, um, that, you know, I, I kind of would, would view it or see it as, um, uh, uh, the opposite of what you're saying would be like just pew sitters. They come, they sit in the pew and I've seen this, I've seen this where someone could go to a church literally for 10, 15, 20 years, leave. And the only person who knows or cares is like the head pastor. Yeah. Because they came on Sunday, they sat down, they did not, I mean, sure, like pleasantries were exchanged. Hey, how's it going? Mm -hmm. What's up? But at the end of the day, they didn't, um, they didn't ever seek to build any kind of significant friendship, which is so key and needed. This is what we're talking a lot about at our church right now, or at least I'm thinking a lot about with rebooting our small group ministry um, that obviously across the nation, COVID really hit hard. Um, mm -hmm. But it's such a high priority high priority because we need it we're designed for it we are bottom line doesn't matter like what you think we need significant friendships in our lives yeah the most extreme introvert and the most extreme extrovert need yeah significant friendships and so yeah this is beyond personality oh totally yeah. and, and the gospel speaks to it right we are mm -hmm. united in christ together yeah um, as a church, uh, the local church gathers together, serves one another, loves one another, takes care of one another. Mm. Um, and in all of that, you would hope that there are going to be significant friendships made. You can't have significant friendships with more than really just a handful of people, like right. the time, the trust required. So I would just say, you know, I'm just saying really what you said is, is that going on? Does it seem to be a value? Mm-hmm. Or does the church seem to be very much okay with come sit in the pew? I, I know this is a caricature. Sure. Come sit in the pew, tithe, 
mm-hmm. and we're good to go. Does mm-hmm. it seem to be a value? And 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 be gracious, right? Because you could say, hey, it seems to be a value. It doesn't seem to be going on, but you know what? I'll just be a good friend. Yeah. You know, I'll, I'll just be a good friend to the people sitting around me. I think the church does value this. So I'll be a good friend and get to know people and uh, and then hopefully be surprised that suddenly I've got good friendships. Without a doubt. And there's that sense of the friendship is even expanding a little more. Well, what do you mean by friendship? It it literally is normal, ordinary friends <laughs> doing life together. Yeah. Right. Um, it's just, we're not talking about necessarily, we're not talking about a program. We're not no. talking about a methodology. We're not talking about uh, some training course and we're not talking about some ministry team. We're talking about making friends yeah. and and being a good friend, learning to love each other and doing life together. Uh, that is normal, ordinary Christianity. And that kind of leads into mission too. This mm-hmm. dynamic is making friends uh, is how we actually connect with those that don't know Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, are we making friends and having gospel conversations with others? Is our church actually thinking about making friends <laughs> and having gospel conversations with its locale, with its community, where the city it's placed in? So uh, do you expect to make friends on Sunday? Do you expect that... Uh, you are warm and welcoming and intentionally aware that God is at work uh, in your church and through your church into the community. So that would mean that folks in the community, whether they're churched or unchurched that don't know Jesus, would be in the church. Uh, so there's that aspect, too, if we yeah. were to head into community. Mission uh, in the context of community, right? Yeah. Not... Which, which, let's get to that. Let's circle back a second, make a comment on, I'll make a comment on community. Again, we were talking about this kind of just thinking out loud before we hit the record button. Um, I think the the red flag stuff on community would be real, um, a sense of, and I'm just going to talk on the gut level. There's this sense, this feeling, this gut uh, feeling about the community that that's, feels overbearing feels controlling, it feels uh, heavily overstructured, overprogrammed, where almost community is almost like the gospel at the church, like it is the thing at the church, is um, is somehow being in community in a certain specific way. There's a yeah. reason there's a reason I'm not talking about like the method of how the church gets this done. Some churches the method could be casual small groups. Some of the method could be Sunday school. There's a thousand ways the church could try to help foster it. I think on the other side where the red flags come up is like at this church, it's like, as you always say, divinized, like this way of having these relationships and these friendships. And the only friends I can ever have in my life are in my small group. And we're only allowed to have 12 and a half people in my small group. And we must meet on Tuesday nights and, so you know, get over-programized, da, right? Da, 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 yeah. da, right. And you feel you can feel more like a project. Like there's this thing called community and I'm a puzzle piece and I'm really just a, a project in this program. Yeah. Which is why we're not talking about this. We're not talking about a program. We're not talking about a project. We're talking about human beings saying we're in Christ together. Yeah. How do we get to know each other? How do we love each other? Most people, Christians in my church, I'm going to love from afar. Yeah. Most people, I will only know their name. But within that is everyone going, but I'd also love to have two, three, six friends right? who maybe I go on vacation with, yeah. right? Um, 
again, I think that red flag is where it's almost like, whoa, this church, the gospel, the good news at this church seems to be being in community. Yeah. So I, two things if we're riffing here. One is that there, no, does this have a certain size culture to it? Does community have a certain size culture? Like, can you have a large church and have community? Can you have friendship? Uh, is it only small churches where that can happen? And the answer is there is no size culture. Mm-hmm. Um, because you can do life and have meaningful friendships with probably at maximum 12 right. folks, whether the church is 500, 5,000, it doesn't matter, or or five. Um, meaningful friendships, uh, there's a capacity. It doesn't need to have a specific size culture. In fact, certain size cultures can uh, all encourage meaningful friendships and community. Uh, I think, so anyhow, I thought of that, and I can't remember the other thing I was thinking. Oh, yes, we were talking about how uh, community could feel like or friendship could feel like it's part of a program to some other end and that other mm-hmm. end can be kind of creepy mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so i mean i don't know if it's appropriate to talk about it here but this is how cults thrive totally right um they have a certain agenda uh they have a certain end and community becomes the main way that they get their hooks in you yeah and uh and that can be intentional like it can be an intentional a leader or a group or a a cult is like, we are intentionally doing this. This is our strategy, right? Let's let's get them in relationally. Let's right. get them so connected in their community that it's it's almost impossible for them to pull out of their web of relationships because it would destroy their web of relationships to leave. Uh, but then there, it doesn't have to be a certain intentionality and even a design to do that, but it can start feeling like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It can have this, I mean, we've heard the terms before, codependency, um, this over-control in relationships, where relationships are more of an exchange of control and power than they are a friendship, mm-hmm. and coming alongside and doing life together, mutually loving and submitting to each other. Uh, there's usually a hierarchy in those kind of communities. Yeah. Uh, and the ones that have the control and the power have the control and the power in the relationship. So you need to like run from those kind of churches. I don't care if they have uh, the Apostles' Creed and every doctrinal check is in place. If if it is a power structure, a control structure of relationships, get out of there. Yeah, you're so right. I mean, it's not not to go down this rabbit hole, but... A lot of times there's that hierarchy where the pastor, um, I, I listened to Cultish, this podcast, and they talked about the Church of Wells, which is this uh, quote unquote church. And um, and they talk about how it seems, I mean, a, a lot of that you'd have to listen to the podcast to get the content, understand why they determine it to be a cult. But it seems that a lot of the leaders can basically tell the people exactly how to act and exactly how to relate to people because there's this hierarchy in cultish kind of places where the leaders do have such incredible kind of like can treat people almost like a robot and they they, they just kind of do it um, as opposed mm-hmm. to just being like humans who are trying to love people and be friends with people. Yeah. Um, there was one other thought that I was going to say with that, but I, I can't remember now. All right. Talk about uh, mission. Um, so you had already brought it up. Uh, so, so that's, that's community people, loving people, serving people, trying to build significant friendships, uh, learning to connect with each other, learning to have messy 
relationships, unshockable relationships, being involved in each other's life, which obviously involves the reality of sin and messes and staying with them and learning to have compassion and and developing a real gracious friendship uh, that reflects the gospel. All of it. This is yeah, absolutely necessary, absolutely vital in the yeah. life of the church. We have to have it. Uh, friends, uh, the community is on mission together. Um, maybe I'll let you kind of start out talking about if someone's, again, visiting a church, they're trying to figure out, should I plant down here? We think mission is a big piece that needs to be in place, that the church is um, uh, looking outside of itself. Uh, that was what I just remembered about community, but we'll pass on that. I'm not going to circle back. Uh, <laughs> see, they see the world outside of themselves, in particular, yeah. the need for the gospel to go out, more people to know Jesus. Yeah. They want their church to grow um, uh, as people come to know Jesus. So talk a little bit about that. Let's talk about the positives yeah. and maybe the red flags. This is where I think that if, if your church is about one thing, uh, and that being the gospel, you're, you're good in all these areas. Because the gospel will yeah. uh, bear its fruit in you, and you will have a vital connecting relationship with God. You will have a genuine, not hokey, not stupid, but real friendships and connecting with each other. Uh, and then you'll see mission in not an awkward, stupid way. You won't. You won't have. I've had when I was planting Redeemer. I had so many people. People would come up to me and say, "So, are you planting like a?" Uh, a small group church, uh, ones that's really heavy on discipleship and thick in doctrine and theology. And, you know, you're going to set up a, a whole uh, discipleship from zero to 100 and covering all your bases. And, and I just had this deer in the headlights look. I'd say, yeah, yeah, we're going to be about that because the gospel's for Christians. And then some people would come up to you and say, hey, man, are you a missional church? Are you going to be like seeking and saving the lost? Are you going to like try to reach your city? And again, I'd look at them with this deer and yep, we're going to be about that too. Because uh, there seems to be people either go evangelistically as if that's the mission of the church or they go discipleship and, you know, dig down into being a mature, fully functioning follower, fully devoted follower, whatever that phrase has been over the years to Jesus. And it's like, uh, if you're about the gospel, you're about the gospel going to the uh, unbeliever and the gospel going to the believer. Your mission isn't divided. Your mission is the gospel. It's gospel growth in people. Your mission is Jesus. It's his, he and his salvation reaching and renewing as many people as possible. So when we get into the issue of mission, if you're, if you're, mission is the gospel, you are going to be reaching and renewing as many people as possible mm -hmm. wherever you're at. And of course, that's going to involve reaching those that don't know Jesus, and it's going to be about renewing those that do, and that that is a constant, ever reality. And you can know that if you are about the gospel and you are reaching and renewing as many people as possible, you know that God is at work in that community. Mm -hmm. And then you're just going to be a part of whatever he's doing. So even understanding that God is at work uh, is incredibly missional. Understanding that the gospel grows and reaches and expands and has an agenda and life all its own uh, will make you <laughs> uh, be a vital 
church, mm-hmm. a gospel-growing church that you're reaching, renewing as many people as possible. But if you turn mission into a program or mission into a, a specific slice of some latest missional uh, end, uh, you won't have that. Yeah, And eventually, culturally or even um, functionally, that slice that you are about the winds of the culture change, and all of a sudden that's not effective. That ministry methodology is not effective, or that mission that was very popular in that particular time, like we could talk about some of the missions that are popular right now in our culture, they'll fade away, and they become another pursuit of the law as opposed Mm -hmm. to the gospel. In case you hear Harry Potter right now, and you feel... Uh, like you're like, oh, is this real? Like, are the books real? Is that what's going on? Don't worry. Uh, it was just Jeff's phone. My phone, my, my uh, no, I don't think I don't think anybody could hear that. Uh, but I just wanted I just wanted to bring someone back to reality who was like, oh my gosh, I think this stuff's real. <laughs> it's not real. It's just a phone. Um, could be real. Um, what are we talking about again? Mission. All right. Mission. Red flag. So let me. Um, so so again, the church does the jer- church value mission. And again, be gracious. I, I I would. The last thing I would want this podcast to turn into is something like that, where it's just nitpicking, right? Oh, yeah. uh, I mean, there are certain absolutely. There are certain non-negotiables. There are certain things that you and I would say, oh, absolutely, run from that church again. Keep in the context, we're talking about if you have 10, 15 churches to choose from that are legit churches, like it's Christians, it's they worship Jesus, they trust Jesus alone for salvation, but you've got to figure out which one to put roots down. That's where we're speaking from. Um, do they value mission? Again, I think it's the same with community. Yeah, they clearly value mission. We're not sitting here saying, hey, nitpick them. Maybe it's one of those things of like, they, they value it, it's there, but maybe I need to be maybe before I'm demanding that they all, you know, do mission perfectly, maybe I'll just get going with it. Maybe I'll be a good friend and maybe I'll be someone who lives, uh, y- you know, to kind of use the popular phrase, a missional lifestyle and go from there. Mm-hmm. I don't want people to get all uh, not merciful, not gracious um, uh, with what we're saying. Now, red flags, maybe some of this for me, there's kind of two things that I think number one would just be obviously if it doesn't seem to be on their radar, I would say like if mission the church growing, like literally that local church growing, which to me, the best growth that you should desire is someone is a non-believer. They don't believe in Jesus. And somehow through your church, whether it's literally they visit your church or someone in your church knows them because your kids play t-ball together, they come to know Jesus and to put it in Bible language, like acts, they're added to the number, right? Like the church grows, Mm -hmm. even that local church grows. If that's not on the radar it's never being talked about. It just doesn't seem to be, it seems like the church is what it is. And um, when all of these people grow old and die, the church will be gone. And they seem to be content with that reality. Yeah. You That they, they, that would seem to be at least some kind of uh, red flag. Mm. I would say on the, um, the other side uh, would be kind of, again, similar with community where mission becomes like the good news. Like the good news is that we make disciples and um, uh, where where it's just like the thing. And especially when it starts to kind of get parsed out in weird ways where like it's only the spiritual, like there's almost like levels, like the, the most spiritually mature and elite are the people who plant churches and 
they go the missionaries they go the missionaries they go across the seas and so if you are uh an insurance agent in Mahaya, texas or b team wake you are like b team at best and your life is pretty boring like you'll get to heaven Mm -hmm. but like honestly you're benched right yeah you kind of wasted your life yeah the coach is not thinking about you and forgot your last name (laughs) um that that is a huge red flag because the vast majority of christians will never be pastors. They will never be missionaries. It is the minority. Yep. I think this is so key. It's helpful for me. The minority of Christians are called to be pastors. Yep. The, min- the, the massive minority, or I should say the tiny minority, however that works, are pastors. They are missionaries. They are church planners. That's a, it's a tiny, and it's not like well, it's tiny because only a certain people get to that level. No, it's all that's all up to God's providence. Yeah. God is the one like Colin, I noticed you were uh you know, you were the guy that if I put you in the pastor role, then everyone will think if he can do it, I can do it. You know, like that's why I picked you, Bubba. <laughs> so it, it's not about elite, it's not about maturity. It's simply about God calls some people to be a missionary in yeah. Timbuktu. And then equally so, he calls so-and-so to be an insurance agent or a real estate agent or to start a business, whatever. Mom, yeah. And that a, a mom, that mom may have just as many legit connections in her, in her life to share the gospel with as, let's face it, a lot of missionaries. Without a doubt. Right? Without a doubt. So I think that that's a red flag if there seems to be in the culture that idea of I need to rise the ranks and and get out of being like a stay-at-home mom or uh, my business owner because this is like B-team stuff. Yeah. No. We need all of that happening. Yeah. That's life. That's ordinary life, and that's yep. ordinary mission. Yeah. In fact, the Great Commission, I mean, let's just go right there. The Great Commission is making disciples. That's the main verb, right? Gospel growth in people. I mean, that's what that is. Uh, that's the main verb. Everything else there is a participle. The going, the teaching, the baptizing. So it's telling us... Uh, how, the means by which God and we participate and disciples being made. And the going is really fascinating because that's a circumstantial participle. You know mm-hmm. what that is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that just means where God has sovereignly placed you in life as you go about the life he has placed you. And so it becomes this real, genuine doing life as he's called you, where he's called you as a mom, a dad, uh, a t-ball coach, uh, a plumber, a professional, uh, and you know, professional athlete or uh, one who's on the B team on the eighth grade, whatever it is, teacher, professor, whatever the call is, as you do that, as you go, you're making disciples. And that, so that changes again, what is mission? And mission becomes gospel growth in people. And it becomes uh, a real connection between loving people and mission. There's not a false dichotomy there that you're actually making friends and having gospel conversations with your kids, with your spouse, with your neighbors, with those you work with, with the person that does the checkout line. It's being a good friend. It's loving people. And as Paul would pray, man, I pray, he prayed that God would open doors for the gospel to run in triumph, open doors relationally and in places where he's at. Now, of course, he's an apostle. uh, So even as we are talking about this, we're going to think about it at uh, maybe uh, a fuller way or even a way to help us as a church uh, see those doors open up 
and see those relationships uh, be made, whether it's going and telling or even coming and seeing, uh, and how the church can be friendly and warm and inviting, and it's it's reflecting the realities of the gospel. So I completely agree with what we just talked about, that if you are a mom right now, or you are a baker right now, you're, you're the one making the cookies, uh, you have a phenomenal call, because either God is sovereign and at work, and he, as Acts says at the birth of the church, he's placed everybody where he wants you, and he's reached you, and he's loved you back to life, and he's spoken you back to life in the gospel. You are now called to love people. Mm-hmm. You're called to make friends and have gospel conversations, and to not be hokey and stupid and church ghetto-y, but to be a, a real person. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you a coach? Well, be a good coach. And watch the doors open up and be ready to walk through them. Are you a teacher? Are you a plumber? Be those things. Be good in those things. And be warm and inviting and welcoming like the gospel is. And love people like the gospel does. And ask God to open doors for the gospel to have conversations. That, if if we did that, that's mission, man. Mm-hmm. And that's reaching an area. Uh, that's being salt and light. Um I, I've always been puzzled by how the conversation and mission gets so weird and so programmatic mm-hmm. and so out of touch with reality and real ordinary human living. It's always right. this floating above reality and nobody can really figure it out and, nobody, and everybody feels guilty because they can't or everybody thinks they have to be on, you know, to be on the A-team, I got to be a pastor, and they would suck as a pastor. Mm-hmm. It's not their gifts. It's not their call. Yeah, I think coming out of a background where years and years ago, we, uh, like high school, we would go to populated places, hand out tracks, just tons of cold turkey evangelism, which you've done probably with your parachurch ministry oh, yeah. background. Uh, so, I mean, we come from that background. Like, it's not like we, we've been there... Um, I, I get it. I think that some people that that maybe particularly is their calling, but I think where it gets wonky is when every Christian thinks the only way I can make disciples and share the gospel is if I go buy a pack of tracks and I go open air preach in the town square, if town squares exist anymore, you know, we, that we don't know anymore. But it's Facebook. Um, as opposed to what we see really happening in the New Testament, right? It's yeah. We've got apostles, we've got missionaries, we've got pastors who are um, going to new places and preaching the gospel. Planning um, churches, yeah. Planning churches going is, and telling, right? is a specific yeah. role, right? And then you've got your ordinary Christians mm-hmm. who work 60 hours, 65 hours in the hospital or 60 hours yeah. running their business, and then they've got a wife and they've got kids, and yep. right? And um, and, uh, and so it can be crushing to create this new unbiblical, uh, law about mission. That's not real. Yep. Um, and can, can be difficult, uh, for time's sake, let's wrap it up unless you have uh, maybe some final, uh, I do not genius thoughts. Uh, yeah, I mean, either it didn't start with any genius thoughts. I don't have any to finish with. So, um, that's it for us. We got milk bottle cookies, uh, review, um, next week, hopefully I'll figure out how to get a hold of those things. Um, and then, uh, next week we'll talk about, uh, how to leave a church, when to think about leaving a church. That's a really complicated, uh, 
conversation to have. Again, give us grace and mercy for any big things we left out of this kind of stuff. This, I mean, there's a lot to talk about here, and especially next week, but we'll try to tackle some big things. What's legitimate? What should legitimately make someone say, I'm thinking about leaving and then, and then what would legit, what would be legitimate to say, I need to leave over this issue. And then how, Yeah. how, how should you, one. how should you exit a church? Um, because even if you should leave a church, you can do that in a way that's really, um, poor. So, uh, we'll talk about all that kind of stuff, uh, next week. So thanks for listening.